You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Uh, there were dudes who would hang like stones from their wieners and just like swing them. They're trying to make like, them longer. Try, yeah. <laughs> God, just cursed us. Yeah, y'all needed that. Yeah. Help. <laughs> Add another stone. <laughs> Welcome to 3AM. 3AM. 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the 3AM Podcast. My name is DJ. My name is Sean. My name is Charlie. We're best friends. Try to tell scary stories. Try to make jokes. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's it. Uh, The other week, do you remember the rapper Silento? Oh, Salento. Yeah. Oh. He got arrested uh, for driving over 140 miles an hour down the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> you just laugh. It, well, it's funny because he's been receiving a lot of flack recently Yeah. for a lot of different things. Um, some of them serious, some of them not so serious. He was driving his whip and the cop said, nay, nay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they were watching his whip. <laughs> no. um, but... um. His ex-girlfriend, him him and his ex-girlfriend were in some argument. I don't know if there was like domestic abuse going on or something. But did you hear about this? No, it's just we're keeping it light. Domestic what? abuse. Yeah. <laughs> well, he shows up at uh, her house, just walks in. Her family's there. I don't think she's there, but he's looking for her and he's brandishing like a hand, like a, a hatchet. Like an axe. Luckily, her the ex girlfriend's father like was strapped and disarmed him and called the police. But he got a ton of flack for that, as you should, as as one should, as one does. And uh, the other one was (laughs) pictures surface of his of his anus, and it's like a (laughs) wait what? What? (laughs) Did you say the right words just now? Yeah. Uh, picture surfaced of, uh, of his anus because uh, a picture surfaced of his anus. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you said like I need you to picture the surface of his anus. I was like, well, One. that too because uh, everybody's been clowning him because it's prolapsed. <laughs> Dude, where do you get your damn news, son? You need to go to church. Oh, uh, um. <laughs> I think people were saying it was a lookalike on like an OnlyFans. Like it looked just like him. So people were framing it as that and then it took off, you know, Twitter oh. and whatnot. But <laughs> yeah. it's too late. Once God. it's in the Twitter Damn. sphere, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently the car that he uh, was arrested and caught speeding in is like a 2020 BMW. Like he's still making money, which is, I mean, when did that song come out? I don't know. 2016? Yeah, probably. 15? Like yeah. Five years later? Still buying like a brand new, like hot, pretty high end car. From what I hear, though, most of those rappers are not wealthy, really. Yeah, yeah. And this whole uh, pandemic thing is like, 
What do you mean? Bankrupt. Not wealthy, really. I don't know. A lot of like fake money, like uh, the labels will give them money. So they're like, but it's all advance. And it's like, you get, you owe us that back. So they're all like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I need some of that fake money. Yeah. Because that would be real nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Labels make them like literally like slave away. All artists. Yeah. They'll give them a ton of money up front. And then the next five but years, you they owe have us to. And interest. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Would we take that money all up front? But then have like be like a slave and have to. Depends on how much. It money. all depends. Yeah, how much was the deal like? Yeah, yeah. How much of the content we own? Yeah, yeah. And then you have artists who will like put their heart into an album or a project, and then they'll present it to the label owners, and the label will be like, like "Well, this isn't this isn't what we marketable like. or something, yeah, you know, or this yeah. is too different or whatnot." So. I don't know. They're not happy doing what they're doing anymore because mm. someone else is telling them how to do it. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. No, I don't know. Not that we are anywhere near that level. Never know, dude. <laughs> Secret. <laughs> Sending out them good vibes. Sean's bro. right. I need to be more positive. <laughs> it's like um, we're doing this for us and the eight listeners out there. Shout out <laughs> you, you guys. know who you are. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because we get so stoked. We like genuinely get so excited for... Like we had 400 views on YouTube. It's the most we've ever had on a YouTube video. We were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, if you know anything about YouTube, that's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that's everything. If you've bro. ever been on YouTube, if anyone's heard of it, you yeah. know, oh, dot yeah, com. Yeah. This, this thing called YouTube. <laughs> um, recently, and when I say recently, I mean by yesterday, oh. an underground fight club in New York with over 200 participants was broken up. No, who the they hell broke talked, it up, dude? It's somebody yeah, talked yeah. about. Who's it? talking? Uh, all, Obviously, us right now. <laughs> all all white collar workers. No way! Like this was legit. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. And in the thread, people were talking about how, like, the movie, like, is based off you know real events, like not actual char- like the characters aren't real, but apparently that this premise. is common, especially in New York in the eighties and nineties. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, underground fight clubs. I had no idea. So crazy. Would you guys? And people betting big money too. Dude, yeah. I mean, they're white collar workers in New York, so I assume they're in Wall Street. I heard like Robert Paulson was a real character though. (laughs) His name was Robert Paulson. Uh, Would you guys do a fight club? Yeah. I don't know if I would, man. I'm getting old. My body aches. Bro. I used to box a lot in high school, and I think I had so many headaches and stuff. I'm, I'm chill. I maybe, don't need that. Maybe if I came straight out the frat and like became like a sales bro for, I don't know. Yeah, if I was 24 again, I would do it. Yeah, but. yeah. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> yeah. if I was a little younger, acting like that was years ago. You know? I have I so much repressed anger that I need to let it out somehow. <laughs> and I feel like that would be a really healthy outlet. Why don't you go do like jujitsu or something? I've been thinking about it. I got this that app. <laughs> Shout out you guys. Sponsor. Sponsor. <laughs> Help, please. I'm gonna bleep that until they um, sponsor us. <laughs> but they got like boxing gyms, jujitsu, all kinds of stuff. So I'm start hitting them some stuff. Did you guys ever take karate? I took judo. Did you? Yeah. How well, was it? I love fun it. memories of that. Uh, so there's the mat everyone practices on, uh-huh. and it's like the whole room almost. And I was on the edge of the mat by the door, and we were sparring. We we're practicing different throws. And my head hit the floor. Like oh. whoever threw me, like we went just off the edge. 
my back hit the mat, but then my my head Whipped hit the, t- the tile floor. Oh, and melon sucks, straight to the ground. Dude. Yeah, I was sad about that. <laughs> it made me real oh. sad. Wow, <laughs> made me real concussed. Yeah, I did kempo. kempo. Oh, really? Come with open hands or some shit like that. <laughs> but uh, I remember it being like a pretty big part of my life for like a year or two. Well, damn. And you had to level up, and that was like really serious. They would bring people down from like L.A. or whoever like the branch was under. They'd bring them there to make sure your forms were on par and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So I took it with Reed and Louis, uh, Reed from Thailand episode, and his parents were also in the class. Oh damn! You and guys had like, it was like your calling. Oh, it's your like destiny, family, dude. Yeah, blood <laughs> run thick. Uh, yes, and. In order, like the kids to do it, in order for them to progress and become the next belt, they just had to do the forms. So it's basically just dancing yep. there alone. Yeah. Nice. Did you guys but already get to start at like yellow belt? Well, I think we started, started white. at white. No, I think we were white. white. Oh, you don't have the privilege? Uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> they were like, that your sucks. skin's enough. You don't <laughs> need a belt to <laughs> be yellow. Asians don't get that privilege. <laughs> <and> <laughs> no. They're like, you need a, you're negative, actually. Uh, <laughs> your eyesight is yeah. <laughs> out of whack. 10, 10. Not 20. Uh, but okay, so for the kids, all we had to do was like dance around the mat and kind of yell, hia. But for the adults... They had to do the forms, and then in order to get their belt, they had to let the sensei kick them in the stomach as hard as they could. Oh, <laughs> and so I remember going, and I was like, dude, I'm so happy I'm not about to get kicked. And uh, Reed's dad is up, and the mom, I think the mom went first, and I think the sensei kind of went like 80%, but with Reed's dad, he went 100%. So he's sitting there, and he's like, ah, and the sensei goes, Boom and kicks him right in the chest and broke like his bottom oh, four ribs. <laughs> and he had to like stand up and stand there and get his belt for the ceremony and stuff. And they like, went to the hospital and yeah, he had broken ribs. I was Bro, like, damn, y'all are taking this seriously. Too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that TikTok where it's like Muay Thai, Muay Thai fighters? Want to stop you right there? No. No. <laughs> but continue. Well, it's on other platforms okay. yeah, yeah. now. Um, whereas this one Muay Thai, Muay Thai fighter just eating punches oh. in his, like in his abdomen and this dude's just like going at him and he's just kind of standing there and then he starts like kneeing him and everything. He's just standing there, starts smiling. He's like, come on, come on. Oh I was like, gosh. damn, this guy's, this, this fool's hard. Um, one of my best friends growing up since when I was four years old, uh, his name is Justin Chen <laughs> and shout out his mother is from the Philippines and his father's from Singapore. Ooh. And I knew him from church. And his father was at one point like the youth group leader, the young men's leader, as we call it. And um, super cool. Would play games with everybody, video games like Halo with everybody. Ooh. Just super like the cool uncle kind of vibe. But uh, growing up, we would watch a ton of different kung fu movies, which is pretty normal, at least in Hawaii. Because all the Asians, like, we, we all watch kung fu movies. But he got, like, the import straight from Singapore. Like, like the uh, almost like the home videos <laughs> <laughs> of, like, kung fu. And uh, I remember watching this one video. Like, real people dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, real elephants being saved. <laughs> no. Um, 
yeah, he uh, he gave us this one DVD and he was like, watch this. We're like, what is it? He's like, just watch it. <laughs> Which sounds sketch. Yeah, hell But then <laughs> he was always really in our best interest and still is. He's a homie until today. But uh, we pop it in and it's these Shaolin monks, dude. Like the orange robes with like the long white socks and like the black just ang i don't know yeah ang yeah avatar <laughs> airbender almost all shaved heads or ong i don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but they're all training and you may have seen clips of this before or something like it but they all have like the different names like getting punched in the su- stomach is like supposed to be like iron belly or something like that <laughs> yeah and they just get pummeled over and over and over again uh there were dudes who would hang like stones from their wieners and just like swing them they're trying and, to like, them longer try, yeah <laughs> god just cursed us yeah y'all needed that yeah. help <laughs> add another stone <laughs> um yeah and then afterwards they would take off like the the rope and the stone and like get kicked in the nuts and like just what? take it dude <laughs> oh yeah, people like they would gosh. invite anybody from the crowd to be like kick this dude as hard as you can <laughs> they take it no reaction just stone cold killers yeah. dude. i heard in like uh shaolin monks temples the trees will all have holes in them and it's from years and years of them going like this with their finger bam Oh. Like hitting them as hard as you can. Makes my and they like hurt. shatter the tips of their fingers to make them super strong so that they can practice the two finger handstand. Oh. But they're just on two fingers. And I think four people can do it, like living people. Dude, I saw that in Shaolin soccer though, like <laughs> four or five people at least. <laughs> okay. The training videos was the first time I saw somebody do like planche push ups. What's that? And it's when you do push ups, your body's parallel to the ground and your feet aren't touching. Oh my God. You're just oh, using yeah, your hands. Dude. And then they get to the point where they're just using like two fingers on both hands and they're doing push-ups straight and like as a eight-year-old watching that to like a chinese like camcorder you know <laughs> like blew my mind i was like what? there's What's nothing going? like a freaking asian to freaking humble your entire <laughs> whatever you do a chinese boy or girl is better than under you the age it. of 10 will destroy your life at it so quit now is the message that's oh, true that's so true. funny um my girlfriend's from Utah, right? <laughs> right? And that segue is just crazy. They're going to say China for some reason, even though I know her. <laughs> She's from Utah and she watched her first Kung Fu movie ever with Oof. me. And it was the classic Kung Fu movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Lee Mubai. Lee Mubai, <laughs> dude. And I remember watching that movie over and over and over again with my brothers and my mom and my dad and everybody. Yeah. It, it was just a like a like a common household movie in every household in Hawaii. But I think that was the first movie I saw with subtitles. Really? Where I like cared. And I was like trying to read fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that that uh, could be the I could say the same for that too, maybe. But um she just could not get over the fact that they're like flying all over the place <laughs> but how? which is so funny yeah like she she's like i can't take this seriously they're flying <laughs> and i was like to me i was like this is how it actually is of in course. china <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean y'all got like shark boy and lava girl <laughs> yeah. that to, makes like, sense. <laughs> some people yeah. is a madman help us save us that makes sense yeah. <laughs> But being able to jump up on a six-foot wall yeah. is somehow it's uncomprehensible. Yeah. yeah, y'all like this huge green man who just punches buildings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 
Real quick to wrap up the uh, the Fight Club though. Oh snap! It's called the name of the uh, the club was called Rumble in the Bronx. <laughs> it's, and it's funny because in the article you you read it. At least uh, I found the article in Washington Post, and they're talking about you know how long it's been going on and the ringleader or whoever like rallied this whole thing together. And they're like, the night they got caught, which was what, yesterday or two two days ago, tons of people had guns without licenses and they were all loaded. Okay, what? <laughs> and on top of that, no one was social distancing. <laughs> like, okay, the guns is one thing. Yeah. But you know social distancing? <laughs> Put your GD mask on. If you're not fighting from six feet apart. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. You only need long range attacks. Here's here. the that's thing, why though. That's why brought those guns. <laughs> All these psychopaths are like getting their rocks off. And not to call them psychopaths. It's just funny to say that. But all these dudes, and I assume it's mainly dudes. All these big wigs. But like they're getting their steam out through this thing and we're just going to come shut it down it's like that's you know i don't i don't know like, yeah <laughs> they might look for other avenues yeah i may be a lot of missing homeless people soon it's like s- stopping a, a tiger from crouching oh my god <laughs> or a, and, or a dragon from hiding hidden yeah, yeah. <laughs> damn wrap it all together oh my yeah gosh <laughs> goodness hell should we get into stories let's do it let's do it let's roll them die this show is sponsored by better help We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light. Lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you're needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3 a.m. And you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download American Vigilante now. DJ, thanks for being like the current events dude. It's fun. Like, it just makes it random. Charlie got a 16. DJ got a 14. Oh, and Sean gets a two. Three. Damn. (laughs) Cool. So the order goes Charlie, DJ, Sean. Cool. All right. So that's me. 
All right. So you guys remember I talked about demons two episodes ago. Really? I did. What? Go back did and listen. About demons? I, I think, think it's so. 69. Oh. Or is it 68? I can't remember. Uh, I think it I think was it's 69. 69. Oh my Dybbuk. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so that it, it seemed to have um pretty big response. Like a lot of people DM'd me personally and they're just like, I had to turn it off. Thank you for the warning. Or oh my gosh, something happened to me. Or I told you about Dom <laughs> when he saw the oh, crazy yeah. lady. One of our listeners, who will remain anonymous, said, quote, I'm not even done listening to Charlie's story today, but I've got a wild effing story about addiction, possession. This just happened to me and my boyfriend like a month ago. Scariest thing I've ever, ever, ever been through. Anyway, she's like, I'm going to do my best to type it all up and I'll send it to you guys. So I was basically like, I am intrigued and terrified. You know, and since this is like a personal experience, I was, I don't know. I just feel different about it. Like having been told this directly from the person who experienced it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to call her CJ. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. So CJ starts, she sends me your email. She says, let me know what you think about it. And I read it and it's a wild story. And it starts, okay, first off, I hate, hate, hate this stuff. She's not a fan of demonic possession. Um, And if you haven't guessed already, trigger warning, we're dealing with stuff like that. So if you're not comfortable with that, fast forward to Sean or DJ. (laughs) So she says, so I recently made a really good friend who happens to be an energy balancing, basically energy healing healer. Um, she thought before it was a hundred percent bullshit, but after experiencing these things, she thinks it is a hundred percent real. So she makes this friend and then later on has the experience, right? I had a few things happen. I knew I needed to make changes to my life, my own life. And I started to understand what evil is out there and how to protect yourself and your home and never to leave yourself vulnerable. As I'm diving deeper into the whole energy thing, I notice something changing about my boyfriend and I begin to have a bad feeling. So that's where we start. She's made this friend and as she's kind of learning about these things and opening herself up to the idea, she notices these changes in her boyfriend. So quick background on the boyfriend and his life. He's a veteran. Thank you for your service. Uh, He was in the military for 12 years and was deployed several tours and has major PTSD from the things he saw and had to do. Due to the PTSD and the injuries he sustained while there, addiction started to take over. So first, it was like pain pills and stuff to deal with the physical pain. It was for his injuries, but it quickly progressed to drugs and alcohol, not just for the pain, for the emotional pain, all all that stuff. After a long time of battling these addictions, he had become or he had overcome everything. So he got rid of all the drugs, all the pills. And the only thing that remained was alcohol. So these, this experience, I'm going to break it up into two parts. It's her experience and his experience. And it takes place over the span of one week. That's so much already. What? Just the experience of uh, trying to become sober, oh. the whole process. I just watched Beautiful Boy. Oh, yeah. Did you watch that? Mm-mm. It's with uh, Steve Carell and 
Timothy Chalamet. Mm -mm. It's heavy, bro. Yeah. Really? It's just father, son, and he gets into drugs like starting at like 16 and goes until college and just that battle. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense, I guess. I probably should just go straight to the story, but he's progressed in his life. He's getting better. He's doing better things. He's almost there. He has this one last thing to kick. And this is when he gets targeted. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah. makes sense. Yeah. There's the same thing in the movie. Really? And then I assume there's going to be some type of vicious cycle. Oh, my gosh. We'll find out. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, like I said, this takes place over the course of a week. And these two, boyfriend and girlfriend, they are in a long-distance relationship. So, she's out of state and he's in another state. So, over the course of this week, she notices her boyfriend is drinking a little more than normal a little earlier than normal. And she says at the first, at the beginning of the week, it's just subtle changes. Mm-hmm. And previously, when he's drunk, he's a super nice, happy drunk. And everything is jokes, everything's lighthearted. So it's not, it doesn't feel like that much of a problem. Mm-hmm. But slowly, it seem, it kind of feels different. So on Tuesday, they call, they text all the time, they even FaceTime all the time. 7 a.m., they're talking, and he's already pretty drunk 7 a.m so this is new this is different she is talking to him and can tell that something's not okay and she has a feeling that she needs to do something so she calls one of his family members who's in his state says hey i really think you need to go check on him so that aunt shows up she watches on facetime as the aunt pours all the alcohol down the drain says you know Let's get over this. We'll get over this together. And uh, she said on the screen, she watched him go from a funny drunk and he snapped and became angry, pissed off. And she said it was kind of hard to watch. It was, you know, crazy to see him just become so angry so fast. It started with phone calls is where she noticed the biggest difference. They would always start good, start normal. How's your day? Oh my gosh, this, that. But then in the middle of sentences, his voice would change and it would become darker and deeper. And he would just start saying over and over incessantly, I need to kill someone. Dude, flags. I need to kill anyone. I need to kill myself. He would start saying things like, I hate you. Like, I never loved you. I hate you. You're a crazy bitch. Things like this. And then he would switch and just say, everyone hates me. I need to die. I need to leave. And he would repeat this over and over and over. It would get worse and worse and worse. And then it would just go back to normal. And he'd come back. And, and she said she could like feel he was back, the him. And then he'd switch again. And he'd just start mumbling. He, she said she saw like a physical shift in his face. He had green eyes. And she said they would become dark, almost black. And he would do this cycle where he'd just talk about death, suicide. He'd start reliving the scariest, worst moments of Iraq out loud, just telling her the worst things he'd ever seen, the worst things he thought, things he wanted to do. And then all of a sudden he'd switch and go back and say, I love you. I love you so much. And then on a dime, you crazy bitch, no one loves you. Everyone hates you. And so she's sitting there on the phone with him, a state away. Like, could you imagine, have you ever had someone struggle or go through something that you love and you can't help them? It's like the worst feeling in the world. 
And I could not imagine adding in a state of distance. Like you would feel so helpless. Was she doing this on the phone or is she doing like like a Zoom or Skype? I think they would FaceTime and stuff. Okay. So they would go back and forth between phone calls, FaceTime, and texting. Okay. But a lot of it was visual. She could tell like physical differences and vocal differences. Yes. Wow. Um, She said during this whole time, it would just repeat himself, repeat himself, go on for hours. And she'd sit there, talk him down. He'd come back to normal. It would be normal for a while. And then all of a sudden the switch and he'd go. And then he'd go off and do it again. And she said, I don't know how, I don't know why, but all I knew was I needed to be there for him. It's like, that's the only thing I could do was to be there for him, try to talk him down, try to talk him into getting some sleep, eating some food. Third day. So that's day one and day two is just this cycle. On the third day, she said she jumps on a call with him, FaceTime. And this time she only catches glimpses of his normal self. So only a couple times in the day she thought it was actually him. The rest of the time, it's this something else. She said on this day, his eyes were completely blank. Most of the call, most of the interactions, he was expressionless. She said he looked like a serial killer. Barely moving. His eyes were dead. She said, I could feel even through the screen like the darkness coming off him. And something was not okay. So she called the same aunt, kind of brought her up to speed and was like, you need to go, you need to go check on him. And he has a son who's with him. So the aunt shows up, picks up the son, packs up some things. She's there for maybe an hour, packs up some things, um, probably encourages him to get some sleep. And he, I don't know, goes into the other room or something. She takes the son and leaves. And now he's alone in the house. And she said he was a shell of himself. Just like sitting in the corner, barely moving, reacting to nothing, all alone in this house. She said while talking to him, he would have, he would be looking at her and then like look off to the camera and start talking to people that weren't there. And those people, from what she could gather, like his conversation with them, were convincing him to kill himself. And she's just watching this. The only thing she can think is just stay with him, bring him back, stay with him, bring him back. She said, as she's talking to him, she's starting to notice things in the house. She looks past him into the kitchen and he's in the army or he was, he served. His house is spotless before this. The kitchen is a complete wreck. Plates, dishes, things are turned over. It's disgusting. And she's like, something's not right. Something is not right. She knows at this point he's barely slept. It's been like two or three days since he's eaten food. And all he's been doing is drinking almost continuously. She said, by the fifth day, there was no rational talking to him. There was no conversation back and forth. He had gone completely black. She said, at one point, he shuts his phone off, and she doesn't talk to him for 24 hours. Text, call, nothing. So she calls the family again, says, you need to go check on him. Family comes, find him, finally convince him, pour out the rest of the alcohol that he had, and to take a nap and eat food and he does after this nap he calls cj and she goes i knew it was him the second he got back on the phone like he was back he seemed w- coherent he seemed back he seemed almost positive but he said he just felt insanely sick like he was getting over a hangover but this time it was big so she's like okay just nap it off eat some food continue to sleep and he says 
Hey, uh, I can't remember the last five days. She's like, what? He said, basically was like, what day is it? She said, it's Sunday. And he says, he can't remember anything past Monday night. Like nothing. But they feel like they're kind of through the, the worst of it. So they're like, okay, go take a nap. Just get better. He's like, okay. And this is where we switch to the boyfriend's point of view. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to finish the whole thing. At this point, I feel like there's not a lot you can do. I'm thinking the best thing is like therapy. But even that's not like immediate, you know, mm-hmm. not like the ER or something. Um, I know you'd feel just lost. Like what do I do? And especially not being able to be there. Yeah. It would be so difficult. So from his point of view, he's he he says he has zero recollection of like those four days. And how does he feel at this point? He says terrible. Mm-hmm. It's like the worst hangover, like hangover ever. Yeah. yeah. So he decides he's now alone in the house. His his aunt's gonna keep his son one more night just so he can focus on getting better. He feels so sick. He tries to go to sleep and sleep it off. And this is like the first time in four days he's slept. Mm-hmm. This dude has a good support system, it sounds like. Yeah. Good people in his life. Thankfully. Uh-huh. So he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to bed. Goes up to his room, lays down, is tossing and turning all night. So he goes, okay, I don't know. I'm going to go sleep in the front room. It's a little more open. I just, I'll feel better. And he goes to the front room, lays down. And as he's kind of tossing and turning and, and falling asleep, something out of the corner of his eye catches his attention. And he looks over at the blinds of the window. And he sees something. And he gets closer, and he can see something is written across the entire blinds. And not only just one blind, every blind. Are these the vertical or horizontal blinds? I think they're the horizontal. Okay. They're the ones that, like, you can raise up with, like, the Yeah, there's probably, like, 50 little wooden things. Flats, almost. And what it says over and over and over is, you, this house. You, this house, you, this house, hundreds of times. So he gets closer to it. He's looking at it, puts his thumb up and rubs it. Doesn't go away. It's almost like it's scratched into the wood. First thought is when my aunt came over, she had her kids. So his little cousins. It was about an hour maybe they wrote this and he's staring at it. And at this point, he knows he lost four days. So he knows he's not 100% and he thinks, okay, am I imagining this? Takes out his phone, takes a picture, looks at the phone and zooms in, clear as day on his phone. Fuck you, this house, fuck you, this house. And he gets overwhelmed, sets his phone down and goes, oh, like I need a minute. Goes to the kitchen, fills up a glass of water. As he's drinking, he's looking out the kitchen window and sees on the blinds of the kitchen window, fuck you this house same written on every blind across the entire thing like almost etched into the blinds so, he's not still thinking it's the cousins the kids no because he looks at the other window in the kitchen same thing on those blinds and he runs to every window in the house and these are written on every blind of the house that's so menacing dude even even like if he was like episodic and he did that still 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, any scenario yeah. you play out is, <laughs> yeah. like, not chill. Not, not cool. Even if it is your cousins, it's like, that's kind of not chill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the dedication to write it on every blind of every window of every house. And scratched in, almost. And if you, like, know anything about, like, portals, a.k.a. doors and windows, it's just, like, and if you know anything about, like, spell casting and stuff like that, is there, there's so many connotation there that's, like, eerie. So he's overwhelmed. Almost like he's trapped in the house. Rightly so. Yeah, every single window has this written over the house. So he's like, I, and it's in the middle of the night. And he goes, I gotta, I have, I have to have a smoke. So he steps onto his back porch, lights his cigarette. And in the light of his cigarette, he looks across his yard. And there's a sea train or a trailer that his landlord keeps there to like source stuff in. In in huge letters written across the front of the sea train is, fuck you this house I'd imagine his heart like stops he said he put out the cigarette slowly walked up to the trailer and felt onto the trailer and he's like the words were there he's still not 100% sure takes out the phone takes a photo it's clear as day in the photo if we were to go along with the idea that it was him like he was outside unconscious like doing this Mm. you know like, if he was in his house, at least he's, like, confined within the walls of his home. But if he's, like, wandering outside, like, where else did he go? Mm. You know, if it was him. But if it's someone else, then they're getting into his house, you know. So I'm sure all of these things are going through his head. Yeah. And at this point, he's so overwhelmed and so tired. All he can think is, I got to go lay down. So he goes back inside and he lays down. He said he slept for about a solid hour, which is good at this point really solid for him wakes up darkness it's like in the middle of the night also keep in mind this is after he's poured out all alcohol and after he's completely stopped drinking mm-hmm. okay so he's woken up he had his rest and he remembers the writing the windows looks over at the window and squints and it's dark it, it must be his mind playing tricks and he walks up to the blinds and there is nothing on the blinds. Runs to the kitchen. Nothing on the kitchen blinds. Nothing on any of the windows. And he goes, surely the trailer. So he steps out on the back porch, middle of the night. Nothing on the trailer. Only this time, as he's standing on his porch in complete darkness, he notices on the right side of the trailer in the back corner of his yard, the darkest corner like covered in trees, almost pitch black. There's an old shed, dilapidated, covered in vines, weeds, barely kept up. But he can see in the doorway of the shed, the silhouette of a couple people standing there. He said the silhouette looked like adolescent teens, like teenagers. Several things run through his mind super quickly. How the hell did they get back here? There's gates with locks. There's like no other way to get back there. What the hell are they doing in the middle of my backyard on a Sunday night for no reason? And what am I going to do? So he decides he's going to approach them and he's going to ask them what they're doing, why they're here. As he gets closer, he can kind of make out more and more details and realizes it's two boys and three girls standing in a circle. All of their heads are bowed and they're all wearing low caps or a hoodie and they're all looking away from him so i think he starts out by saying like 
What are you guys doing here? No answer. And he gets a little closer. He said he comes right up to the trailer and he decides if I go straight, I'll have way less of an escape route. If I'm about to fight five teenagers, I need an escape route. So he's he decides he's going to kind of backtrack, go around the trailer, and it will bring him right by them, and he'll have like a clear way to run. So he goes, okay. Goes back, goes around the trailer. He's going to come around the trailer pretty hot. You know, he'll be about 10 feet away from him. So he runs past the trailer, comes into the clearing, sees all of them, and he goes, get the f- out of my yard. And he, as he yells that, keep in mind he's about 10 feet from him, he sees... They're all standing around one girl. She's in the middle of the circle. She's wearing a black and white checkered hoodie. And as he does that, he's coming in hot, getting closer and closer to him. The girl bends at the waist, except it's backwards. And he said out of where her waist is, it looked like arms begin to come out like this. He said it stopped him dead in his tracks. What is going on, dude? He literally like took his final step and just stopped, skid to a halt, eyes wide, and he sees this thing shape-shifting. But the second he stopped, it stopped shape-shifting. And like one second passes, he spins on a dime and sprints back to his house. He reaches his patio and yells, I don't want any trouble. Please stop. Please leave. I'm sorry. Slams the door. Lock. Grabs a flashlight and shines it into the back corner. It's a powerful flashlight. He said the beam of light gets swallowed up within like 10 feet. It's just completely black. So he takes a flashlight, runs to the front room, sits in his lazy boy, and doesn't move or sleep the entire rest of the night. Okay, so that was Sunday night. Monday morning, 9.30 a.m. He th- He's like stayed up the entire night, didn't sleep. He's just sitting in his chair. Mm-hmm. 9.30, he feels comfortable enough. He goes, okay, I got to try to sleep. So he kicks the lazy boy back, leans back, and right when he closes his eyes, he hears a woman yell in a high-pitched voice, I see you. Simultaneously, dum, 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 dum. Someone runs upstairs and across the top stair floor. His eyes pop open and he sits up in his chair. They're in the house. Runs upstairs, checks the bathroom. <laughs> Shower curtain, nothing. Checks all rooms. There's nothing up there. House is silent. Goes back to his chair, sits down, closes his eyes again, and this time he hears a whisper in his ear and it says going to give up so easy I'm going to kill you holy shit (laughs) so his eyes open up again he can hear every time he closes his eyes he can hear something whispering or footsteps upstairs so he thinks I gotta call CJ call CJ the second CJ's on the phone the voices stop but he can hear someone pacing upstairs CJ talks to him all day, keeps him grounded, keeps him company, and just listens to him. I, I, I think I forgot to say, but she said even during the week when he was going off on the phone saying the worst things possible, she said 
I, it almost felt like an outer body experience for me. Like I was sitting there and he was saying these horrible things, but it was almost like I wasn't hearing them or I wasn't in my body. Like she was almost, prote- I don't know, like maybe protected from it or just separated from hmm. it. And during this day, she's just trying to talk to him, listen to him, be there for him. And she says, hey, I have a friend. I have a friend who's an energy healer. Maybe you should talk to her. And I think he agrees. He just agrees. He's like, okay. Next day, he has his son back. So he gets his son ready for school, gets him off to school, gets himself ready. And he's going to talk to CJ's friend. This is what I'm just going to read what CJ's friend said. So she's an energy healer. And she said he gets on the phone with her. I think it might have been FaceTime. And CJ's not there. It's just the boyfriend and the energy healer. Before he's able to fully tell her everything that's happened, CJ's told him her very little about the situation. Almost before he starts talking, she says, you have five entities attached to you. One of them has been inside of you. He said, that's why I couldn't remember the five-day drinking binge because she, or the demon who had been inside of him, had taken over completely. I thought it was four. In the backyard, two boys, three girls. But four-day Oh, I, th- I guess it was five. You said five and four, but still oh, my bad. five. She explained, okay, this is what the energy healer says to him. Drinking cracks open your crown chakra and leaves you susceptible to evil entities slipping into the cracks. She told me that these demons have likely been with me for a long time and have simply just been waiting for the right opportunity to jump in. There were specific places in my home where there there was dark energy built up. For example, my coffee table. She said, this is most likely because this is where you sit with your cocktails and where you set your drinks. She also explained to me that my son, during those days of me basically blacking out, had his own guardian angels surrounding him and that he was untouched completely by the entities and the experiences going on in the house. So they go through their process Um, they do the energy balancing, they have prayers and they were able to clear all the entities and dark energy out of the house. He said, I've been sober for over a month. My son and I and our home are safe and we have had no more experiences and the heavy dark feeling in my home, my backyard, and even myself are gone. Things have changed a lot since this extreme experience. We both have made a vow that neither of us ever want to drink ever again in our lives. We are also both extremely careful about who and what we allow into our home. And he closes, they close. I don't know who wrote this, but they said, God is real, but so is the devil. And he will fight like hell to take you down. So say your prayers and watch your back. CJ. Well. Dude, what a heavy story, dude. I know. I think even talking to her back and forth after she sent the story in, I said, she was like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love scary stories, but this was different. And I would agree with her. Like, I love scary stories. And there's just something so different about like, you know, I saw Bigfoot in the woods (laughs) to like, I went through five days of hell where something inside of me was convincing me to kill myself or harm other people. 
Like those are very different. You know what I mean? I did, however, like this story because it's a cautionary tale and it ends, thankfully, happily. They're all better. And in talking to her afterwards, she was like, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. And we are all like tighter and more careful and safe and like we know where we stand and, you know. I'm not saying that you're saying this, but I also don't want to discredit people who have like seen Bigfoot. Totally. You know, or like being in the woods and like feeling in danger Mm -hmm. um, or something that equates to that. Because uh, they're all terrifying, they can all be traumatizing. But this one seems it's like like weaved with their personal lives. Like it, it like take away the kids he saw, the writing on the windows and whatnot, and what's he left with? It's his road to sobriety. Mm. So that's like deeply personal. So throwing everything else into the mix, the people in the house and the whisperings, uh, just. It brings it closer to home and more to life and it's more relevant. And I think too, in a lot of different situations and scary situations, the only real thing on the line is your mortality, which in itself is terrifying and can is traumatic 100%, not taking away from that. But in these experiences, it's way more than your mortality that's at stake. It's like your sanity, your sanity, your salvation, your, your um, free will, your agency, like your soul maybe is like, having it succumb to this dark thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. Just so much more gravity to a story. Yeah. Like yeah. this. Mm. Anyway, CJ, thank you so much. I appreciate everyone who writes in. It always seems to me, and this has been a theme that I've seen throughout my life, throughout the lives of others, but when you make like the conscious decision to do better, it always seems like that's when the most opposition comes up. And that's kind of what it sounds like here is like, I don't know. I just hope that it stays good. Yes. Like a month, a congrats, con- congrats, congrats to CJ's boyfriend for being sober for a month. But at the same time, like those events are s- still seem like it's right behind. Pretty fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the important of like, once you get there, it's not, it's not done. We like to say, you know, endure to the end. But really though, it's like. It's now an ongoing battle to stay there. Yeah. But definitely can do it. This might be uh, too sensitive. I assume not, but the pictures. I didn't ask, but maybe I will. Because I could conceivably see wanting to delete those. Mm -hmm. Or maybe afterward there was nothing in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'll I'll, I'll ask. I'll reach out. Hmm. Anyway, that's me tonight, guys. Well, thank you, and thank you, CJ. That's a wild story. Who's next? I'm next. Let's do it. I don't know if I can fill those shoes. (laughs) All right. Uh, This story was really interesting to me. Uh, One, because it takes place outside the States. It's always fun. It feels like we're traveling. (laughs) Look how desperate we are, dude. (laughs) Talk in an accent, please. <laughs> uh, two, it's in Australia. Oh, okay. Where everything's trying to kill you. <laughs> Valid. And three, it deals with isolation and being alone. So we'll we'll call this dude Ray. So Ray starts off his story by saying, I was a field geologist, or I am a field geologist. And 
I was 12 hours north of Adelaide. Where's Adelaide? It's south. So it's under Sydney, under... I even think it might be around like the bottom. I was going to say southeast. Well, okay. So it looks like that's Australia right there. Okay. Sydney's like here, Queensland's here, and Adelaide might be here. Yeah, it's like just north of Tasmania or... So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that does. Okay. So he's 12 hours north of there. Oh, he's in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like he's in the outback. Don't quote me, but something like 90% of all the population of Australia is like on the coast. Mm -hmm. And Australia is comparable to the size of the U.S. Yeah. And there is no one Mm -hmm. in the middle. Mm -hmm. Cool. Awesome. I mean, kind of. Not really. Depends on the situation. <laughs> we'll see. You'll see. Uh, he said he's doing field work in this region. And before I even get to his story, everyone in the comments were talking about, I guess, people from that area or from Adelaide or just know of, you know, this region that he's traveling in. Everyone's attesting to all of the creepy things that are known to have come out of those places. Can and I can I say some before? Oh wait, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Were you gonna go on? There's legit talks of like twelve foot kangaroos out there. There's talks of dinosaurs still being out there, of lizards and snakes being like fifty feet long. Uh, there are serial killers out there. They actually based a movie off one. I think it's called Wolf's Creek. But anyone who is traveling through the outback. You have to bring gas cans with you because there's not gas stations for thousands of kilometers, thousands of miles. (laughs) And this guy, if anyone ever came out there, he would kill them. Take their gas. Yeah. And they found like they, he would, no, sorry. He would kill them, torture them, hunt them, feed them to dingoes like his dogs. Um, He would like chain them up, let his dogs eat them. But uh, they found like one of his caves was filled with hundreds and hundreds of cars. And that's just like one of his dumping sites. And they still haven't found like anything else. Damn. I don't know the full story, but that's like what the movie's based off of. So there's that type of shit going on out there. Yeah. Not just the animals. The people are trying to kill you. There's no ozone over Australia. The sun's (laughs) trying to kill you. Cancer. That's where we are. Let me add to that. There's one in the thread where uh, everyone was talking about or somebody mentioned it. And then a ton of replies. People talk about it like, oh, I remember seeing that on the news. A long time ago, but uh, in the 70s, 50 years ago now, a family moved from New Zealand to this region. Good day, mate. And it was a mother, father, and their seven children. I didn't get to look into their backstory before all of this happened, but they moved into the outback and they were kind of nomadic. They didn't stay in one area for super long. Or as Aussies call it, the bush. The bush, exactly. Stayed in their own makeshift tents. They built sheds out in this area that you're talking about where everything's trying to kill you, honestly. (laughs) But uh, from their family of nine, they grew to a family of 40. No, not okay. Super not okay. (laughs) And quick math, not okay. (laughs) Because by my calculations, (laughs) yeah, one woman and one man can't be having that many babies that quick. Well, this was only discovered in 2010. 40 years later, after 1970. Yes. Qu- quicker math. Yeah. Oh, damn, Sean. <laughs> um, 2010. I graduated from high school in 2010. You guys were 09? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh wait, Ryder. <laughs> um, while you're graduating, happened, they pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, how it happened was um, these kids were at play at a school, and they're like in a field, and the field like opens out to the outback, oh, and they were kind of far out, far out, you know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> far out, bro. A group of kids saw a young pregnant girl like in the bushes, like an actual bush. <laughs> um, and they talked to her and this girl looked dirty, disheveled, young. And the girl explained to them that, you know, the kids were like, where's the daddy? And she explained to them that, oh, my brother. Yeah, he's back over there with my family. Yeah. So the kids came back super strange, you know. You're like, let's go have snack time. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing led to another. It took until 2012 for the whole family to, I mean, they went through this huge like court case and put under like witness protection. Is this too much shade? What do you know? What nationality they are? They're white. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, they're <laughs> Caucasian. Um, but all the pictures of them online, all their faces are blurred, and th- that's uh, the name of the family is the Colt family. They're known as the Colt Clan. C U or C C O L T Clan. Yeah. So the Colt Clan, uh, are th- this is just what everyone was talking about, the Colt Clan in that area. And they're like, someone was like, watch out for the Colt Clan out there. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so this dude, uh, Ray, is driving out to this area and he says, One day I was driving the truck and saw what looked like a flagpole sticking up in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's no buildings, no structures. And he gets closer and closer and realizes this is not a flagpole. He gets out of his truck and he walks up to it. And it's a wooden post. And on top of the post, trigger warning, is a dog impaled from top to bottom. Like the the wooden post is coming out of its mouth. He said he didn't know if it was like a domesticated dog. Or like a wild dingo. But he got in his truck and he turned right around <laughs> and drove back. Smart. Yeah. Um that was that was a story. Super short. But uh super creepy. Yeah. Uh it was just a thread of people talking about how they're out in the wilderness, people working on oil rigs, people in the outback in the bush, and what they see when they're alone. So going along with that theme of being isolated my second short story comes from the same thread and this one dude is talking about how he worked on ships and he said he is pretty new uh to this like this was a new job and uh the whole profession was new so he was exhausted learning the ropes he said they were near alaska working and he said pretty early on into his job for the first time he witnessed the northern lights and he said for his first time they were bright super vivid and it was just so beautiful bucket list yeah he said when they finished work he climbed up to the top of the boat on top of the roof and he just laid on the roof and was just staring at the lights and slowly his co-workers would come up to the top and lay there with them and they all just lay there in silence watching the northern light super beautiful until the whole crew was up top and it's a small small boat um small crew i think it's about six or seven people and he said because the lights were so bright, you know, it kind of illuminated a lot of their surroundings. He said they were not super close to land, but they could see, you know, land in the distance. 
in no way was it pitch black. Up until this point, the only sound we could hear was small waves hitting the boat. And that was pretty much it. You know, just the ocean sounds. All of a sudden, while they're all laying on the top of the roof looking at the northern lights, their eyes are blinded by what they said was a spotlight. They said the spotlight was coming off to the side and we were in the middle of it. He said we couldn't see because the light was, you know, we're right in this beam. We couldn't make out. He said this thing was close enough so that it wasn't coming from land, from the shore or the mountains or the hills there. He said it was too high to come from another boat, um, but low enough where they could, they knew that the light source was pretty close, like not from like a, as high as like a plane or something. And he said this lasted for like 15 seconds. At this point, they were all standing up, trying to like peer through this beam of light to see what it was. No noise. So it's not a helicopter. Not a helicopter. And after 15 seconds, the beam of light turns off and there's nothing in the air, nothing on the water from the direction of where that light came from. No other ships. No ships, just them in the water. Mm. He said... Aliens. <laughs> he said it was 2 a.m. 2 in the morning. That's 2 a.m. <laughs> uh, he says, we don't know what it was. He said, after it turned off, the guys were making jokes. Trying to make light of it. Coping jokes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey, you see those aliens? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what they can do, you know? Yeah. Uh, after a couple of minutes, they all sit back down and they're just talking about what just happened. And boom, they're blinded again. Oh no. By another light. And this time it's on the opposite side of their boat. No, on the ocean side. And this one was shorter, but click goes off again. Nothing. Nothing in sight. No sound. And that was the last of it. Um, this dude says, we don't know what it was. We think it might have been some sort of silenced aircraft. The military was probably doing drills or something. But this was one of the weirdest things to happen out on the ocean. So, Sounds like one for Scoob and the gang. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I feel like you're just so vulnerable out on the water like you can't go anywhere and if you do it's gonna be fucking slow yeah at yeah. like a two miles an hour <laughs> yeah like, let's get out of here yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going at three knots mate yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're back in australia what <laughs> no yeah all of these uh, stories that i was reading i had the same feeling just the isolation being alone the dude in the outback with the the, the dog yeah like, what cool. you going to do? His Put another dog on the bobby. <laughs> His flag is at half mast stiff. <laughs> oh, God. Because, like, dogs. Um, dude, yeah, that would be terrifying. You, yeah. Mass stiff. <laughs> <laughs> that slow burn, dude. You got to, like, <laughs> the scenarios you'd be going through through your head to, like, try and rationalize what you just experienced, what you've been through. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> You'd quickly check off everything that kind of makes sense, and then you're just left with nothing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you, dog. Oh, man. That was good. But that was me. 
Thanks, Deej. All right, it's my turn. I'm trying to think of a joke about Pledge Allegiance, but (laughs) (laughs) I I just thought of hand over your bark. No, shrimp skewers and the dog. (laughs) Oh gosh, dog on the Barbie. That's all I think of. Thanks, Deej. (laughs) Did you know a sideline toe's real name is Richard Hawk? What are you saying? (laughs) Did you know sideline toe's real name is Richard Hawk? Who is sideline toe? Sideline toe. Oh, we talked about him earlier. Silent I thought toes. you were saying silent toes or something. <laughs> That's what I heard too. Did you know silent toes' real name? <laughs> the rapper we talked about earlier, silent toe. <laughs> His real name is Richard Hawk. Richard Cock. Richard Hawk. Dick Cock. Dick Cock. Dude. <laughs> He's not real. That's a glitch in the matrix. That's not real. None of that's real. Sean, you had a story? I sure do. <laughs> Should talk about silent toes for a while. Silent toes. <clears throat> All right. Sean, that's you tonight. All right. My turn, guys. So I got a couple stories for you. First one comes from a listener. Name is Mike. He was saying, hey, shout out to you guys because I always listen to your pod while I'm at the gym. I was like, same, bro. Not our pod, but like different <laughs> oh, pods. <God>. But your <laughs> pod. <laughs> but your pod, Mike. So, uh. Mike is, from the story, it sounds like he's the youngest sibling because he says all growing up, his older brothers and sisters knew that he was, like, he didn't like scary stories and they would always make fun of him and, like, tell him scary stories from their LDS missions and stuff like that as big brothers and sisters should do. Full circle, Mike. (laughs) Yep. yep. He uh, eventually is going to go on his own LDS mission. And a few weeks or a month or so before he's going to leave, weird stuff starts happening to him. He says one night, he uh, his bed is his bedroom is down in the basement, directly beneath his parents' bedroom. And he said he woke up to someone whispering his name, so just Mike or Michael. And it woke him up, and he kind of started looking around his room. It was like someone was there right next to his bed, and he didn't see anything or anyone around. But needless to say, he's still pretty freaked out about it, so he goes and gets the family pet, the dog, and he's like, hey, yo, come come sleep with me tonight. <laughs> Nothing else happens the rest of the night. The next day, he uh, goes to his mom. He's like, yo, uh, mom, craziest thing happened to me. I woke up. Someone was whispering my name, and his mom's like... <clears throat> You probably just dreamed it or something. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> it's how I imagine I would react as a parent. Be like, well, sounds like a personal problem. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you listening? <laughs> yeah, just go to bed. <laughs> Wear earplugs next time. <laughs> something like that. Um, a few nights later, though, <laughs> he's asleep, wakes up once again. Michael. He wakes up instantly, looks around his room, nothing. This time he had the family pet with him. The dog was there in the bed. And his dog was also awake, looking around the room, like something was there. And so he's, he's really getting freaked out at this point. And he, has, he doesn't know what to do. Goes back to bed. Nothing else happens the rest of the night. He tells his mom again the next day. I probably wouldn't have at this point because I'm just going to make fun of by my mom. Yeah. Um, once again, she's like, you're probably just dreaming. Maybe, uh, try sleeping in the guest room or something like that. He decides one more night 
he's going to sleep in his room. This time, though, he flips the TV on before he goes to bed. His logic was, you know, if the TV's on, something, nothing's going to happen. I'm good. Dude, I think that. <laughs> well, sorry. I fell asleep on the couch last night watching TV, and I woke up at 4, and I laid there awake, wide, like wide awake till 4.30, because I was like, man, if I turn this TV off, that's going to be silent and dark, and something's going to happen. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll uh, wake up and go uh, into the living room in the morning, and Kevin will be asleep on the couch with the TV on still. <laughs> I'm like... I'm I'm no like spirit expert, but I firmly believe and will prescribe this to our listeners. If you're experiencing spooky stuff, turn on a Disney movie. Disney movie and get under a blanket. I'm real about the Disney movie thing now. <laughs> it's like anytime I'm feeling spooky, I just throw on like a feel good. But there is like power to that, is what I'm saying. It's true. Like yeah, Mike's yeah. not wrong for doing that. No, yeah. And I don't know what he was watching, but later that night, Michael. Even through the TV? Even through the TV. Okay, immediately proves my theory wrong. <laughs> Debunk. Yeah. He sits Myth up and... <laughs> don't listen to me anymore. Unsubscribe. I mean, if it works for nine and ten people, it still works. Okay, true. So, <laughs> sorry, Mike. The tenth dentist. <laughs> so he sits up in his bed and he's looking around his room, super freaked out at this point. Dog's there looking around as well. Nothing. There's no one in there. And it's, this thing is more powerful than Disney movies. So. This thing is more powerful than a Disney movie. Eventually, he's able to fall back asleep. The next day, though, he decides to go sleep in the guest room. Nothing happens. He sleeps in the guest room for another week or two. Nothing happens. And he's about ready to leave now on his LDS mission. Goes back to sleep in his room. Everything was good. Never happened again. He... uh then heads out on his mission, and he goes to what we call missionary training center. You usually go for a month to three months, depending on where you're going to go after that. And a week or two after he's in the MTC, he gets a letter. This letter is from his mom. His mom says, hey, now that you're out in the MTC, I, I just didn't really want to scare you while you were here. But every single night that you came to me the next day telling me you heard someone whisper to you, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would see a dark figure standing in the corner of my room. It happened on the three times that you told me about, or two times, because he didn't tell her the third. And eventually we went and got the bishop to come and bless the house, and it never happened again after that. But to this day, Mike is still alive, breathing. He's good. His mom... Wasn't making fun of him, just, you know, trying to protect him. Okay, now I feel like an ass. <laughs> I cast the judgment on that mom. She's just protecting him the whole time. I don't want to cast any more judgment, but did she do the right thing um, by not saying anything? I mean, if she was planning on bringing in someone to bless the house, I could see that being as the right move. Just not wanting to freak him out. Yeah. I mean, there could have been two different ways of doing that. One would be like, yeah, you're fucking haunted, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I think she did the right thing because I think, like, I think of my kid, and Mike was 18, 17 at the time. Yeah, yeah. Especially if they were younger, like eight, like, someone keeps calling my name in the middle of the night in my room from the dark. You're going to die. And I'd be like, oh my goodness, <laughs> me too. <laughs> no, mom. What are what we going to do? Yeah, what do you, what do you think we what, should what do? You, what's your plan of action? <laughs> F- mom, I came to you for answers. <laughs> Yeah, I think that she did the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you two. 
Ooh, you dead. <laughs> I'd be like, did you see the dark figure too? <laughs> well, have you been sinning? <laughs> it's because you keep touching yourself. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so funny. He does have a bunch of other stories, which I'll get into later. But <sighs> thanks, Mike, for that one. Um, my second story comes from a girl named Kim. And she is living in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And you know how we've talked about this before, where we'll be in a group and we'll get just that feeling where something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, you never hear the ones where something was wrong and it ended in tragedy. (gasps) Oh, shit. For our patrons, you'll hear what happened to Kim. One night. I'm so stupid. I know it's coming, but it still gets me. <laughs> I didn't know that one was coming. <laughs> I, like, I know every episode at some point it has to come, but like it still just gets me. It's every still time. surprising, dude. I can't imagine how y'all feel. Um, Go to Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash the 3 a.m. podcast. Yeah. Nope. Pod. Oh, 3 a.m. pod. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> Someone's sitting at their computer. What the f*** do I type? <laughs> We know you're all there right now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so press enter. Pod podcast. What? What is it? The 3 a.m. Pod. Just go to our link in our bio on Instagram. Yeah. Link in bio Instagram. You find it. Or if you're listening to this on iTunes, there's a link in the description. Oh, that's true. I seen that. So. We're, we're, we're pretty good now. <laughs> we're pretty professional. We got links everywhere. <laughs> okay. So back to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Kim is uh, going to college. She has a roommate. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. Y'all missed out this episode. On so many things. <laughs> oh, dude, tonight was fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was good. We started out, you know, like good in a different way. Very serious. And then we, you know, got to the funny, scary story then, like I told you. Yeah. <laughs> None of it makes sense. <laughs> Stabbings. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> anyway, uh, tonight was awesome. Thank you, all of our listeners, everyone who sends in stories. Please continue to do it. <laughs> Freaking please, dude. <laughs> I beg of you. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for telling people. Every day we get s- cool messages like, I don't know if I told you recently, but Kevin showed a friend who listened like one episode and then went back and listened to our entire like uh, discography. I, I There's so many people who message us and they're like, I just found you guys. I'm trying to catch up <laughs> like we're telling them to or something. <laughs> they're like, I'm so sorry. I'm not caught up yet. It's like, oh, catch up, y'all. Dude, <laughs> I'm just surprised you listened to one. So I'm pissed. Yeah. <laughs> what the uh, hell is wrong Don't message you? me until yeah. you've listened to every minute. Uh, but anyway. Welcome all of our new listeners, all of our old listeners. We have not forgot you. Y'all are the ones who encouraged us to go in the beginning. So thank you, everyone. Shout out. Until next time, trust your gut and watch your back. Bye. Love you. Be safe. Question everything.
Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Hi, this is Amy and Vanessa from She Goes by Jane, where we shine light on the stories of missing and unidentified women. On November 7th, we're sharing Nahida's story for the first time in a podcast. And this is a story that I thought I knew, but after reading police reports, became more complicated than I thought. When investigators are called to Nahida Khatib's house, everything looks fine. Her purse is on the kitchen table, her cup of coffee is on the counter, and her two-year-old niece is in her playpen. The only thing amiss? Nahida is missing. Every week, we feature a poem written in honor of the person we're talking about. This week, we're joined by one of our favorite actresses. You might know her from Sister Act or King of the Hill or The Descendants. But if you're like us, you'll know her from Hocus Pocus. She's the much-beloved Kathy Najimy. Join us November 7th to hear Nahida's story. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. (laughs) You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us.